There are a ton of milestones to one's life. For a lot of us, having kids is one of them. The experience is often romanticised in movies and television and you know, from the very start when people discover they're pregnant, for example, to arriving home with babies and onto shaping a future together through high school. And a lot of parents I speak to, they often, uh, they they have plans, you know. they Some people can might probably misguide that for expectations, but a lot of parents do have plans or things that they hope, hopes, dreams, and things that they want to happen throughout the lives of their child. Well, enter Chelsea. In a vivid recount of the birth of her eldest son, Cruz, Chelsea shares with us the plans that were ahead for her and her little family before an interesting experience with the medical facilities and staff within the hospitals of New Zealand led to some lifelong complications for their family. From a birth that seemed to lack a lot of communication and care of duty to the struggles and successes of raising a child with cerebral palsy. We explore things like what questions need to be asked when it comes to having a child, why it's important to think outside the box when it comes to looking after kids, what medical advances are on the horizon for cerebral palsy, and most of all, how we can all help to make things a bit better for people like Chelsea and also like Cruz. At this time as well, Chelsea and her family are raising funds for Cruz to acquire what's called, I believe, a Molly suit. I apologise if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'll come back and say that properly if I am. Um, but you should definitely Google it. Uh, it looks to be a suit that can connect uh, the brain to movements and help with pain and, and things like that. It's pretty crazy, so make sure you give that a Google. Look it up. Head to our Instagram and Facebook pages for more information about how you can help out. But right now, the best thing you can do to help out is to take a listen to that story. So check it out. This is the Best Side Podcast, and this is episode is featuring Chelsea Cook. We talk about a mother's instinct. Where are you from, and what's yep. your name, so people know who I'm yeah. speaking to, and all that? Um, Chelsea Cook, and um, I'm born and raised in New Plymouth, and um, I'm actually a hairdresser, and now I'm a mum of three boys. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And how old are the kids? Um, so my oldest is Crows, he's six, Vinny is four, and Maverick is almost two in December. Far out. Busy house? Yeah. <laughs> I live well, I live in a household that has three kids upstairs. I'm 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 the ugly child under the bridge downstairs, but <laughs> they're all upstairs and I can imagine it's pretty crazy and yeah. I can imagine things must get pretty hectic and around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm with all boys as well. Yeah. Oh no, actually we've got one little girl, sorry. Oh. I'm gonna cop that one later. <laughs> Sweet. So for um I guess listeners listening, paint a bit of a picture about your upbringing because you yeah. spoke about your brothers, was it before? Yeah. 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 So um, I have two brothers, Kaz and Dylan. Um, one's an electrician, Dylan, and Kaz is a joiner. Um, pretty normal upbringing. Yep. Um, lived in um, town, central, so we were pretty much, did lots of sports, lots of rugby league, was mainly the, <laughs> the biggest thing in the household. Cool. Um, I played soccer. And um, yeah, it was pretty pretty normal upbringing. What's the age difference between you? Is, um, is it, are you the only girl? Yeah, oh, yeah I'm the only girl. Um, so I think I'm a little bit more okay with having boys because I have brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had boys around the whole time yeah, anyway. Yeah, I understand the fighting. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it was, it was two years between my oldest and me and then four my youngest. Um, we all seem to have like friends that are all roughly around the same age and um, 
yeah, just all hung out. It was all pretty friendly, actually. Yeah, big crew yeah. hangouts. Yeah, yeah. Um, our house was, as we were growing up, mum and dad were pretty open with us, um, learning to drink and experience all those kind of teenage things in a safe environment. So we would all hang out at mum's house and mum and dad's and, um, yeah, have little parties and things like that. It was pretty fun. Um, and then when I started hairdressing at 15, I think... Um, that's when I kind of matured and started to want to go flatting and doing all that fun stuff. <laughs> so growing up then, when you're saying that your parents were quite open to you guys, I don't know, drinking and stuff like yeah. that, um, was that very contrasting to what your friends were going through? Um, no, or I'd probably say 50-50. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the parents kind of respected that they could hang out at our house and mum and dad were always home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, some that didn't so much... It was, yeah, they kind of just didn't bring alcohol or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it was quite a fun youth, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you think that plays in terms of how, you, how um, the way you are as a mum? Do you think you'll let your kids and stuff, for lack of a better term, experiment or have a few drinks early as long as they're yeah. in a safe environment and stuff? Oh, yeah, totally. I am... I've kind of thought as my children have grown to never say no, let's compromise, if you know what I mean. Um, with my oldest not being able to do a hell of a lot like his other siblings, I've thought, you know, experience life, don't um, try to wrap it up in plastic, you know, like yep. um, you be you, you do what you want to do, sports, like art, whatever you want to do, like just have fun in life. Yeah. So you mentioned your oldest. How old were you when you had your first baby? Um. So my oldest, I was. Was it twenty three? <laughs> Just looking to I a partner can't. for reference. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, basically, um, I think I must no. What? Yeah, honestly. Oh, twenty five. Sorry. Yeah. Twenty five. So. Um, and how old is he now? He is six. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm 31. <laughs> Good math. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had him, and it was a really good age. I was really scared when I found out it, I was pregnant. It wasn't planned, but um, I'm really glad that I had my kids young. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to that thing, because I'm 31. Yeah. I don't have any kids yet, so <laughs> I'm going to milk this for as much as I can in terms yeah. of getting a, getting advice. Take me through yeah. um, finding out and, and yeah. when you became aware that you were going to have a baby. Um, I was hairdressing, and um, I remember being on a Saturday. We would work. Hairdressers work really hard, and on a Saturday, you would not have a break. And I was like, I'm feeling really ill. And it was getting iller and iller. And then I went home and I just had this gut feeling that this wasn't a normal feeling. Was the assumption like just because like you hadn't eaten and all that normal stuff because it's hectically yeah. busy? Yeah. Did you well, go out the night before? Yeah. yeah you kind of, you kind of, we, we always tend to have people hang around our house on a Saturday afternoon. Like Den would have friends over and that. So um, I, I came home and I was like, didn't really want to look at Den. I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like I yeah. just had this feeling um and yeah I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant and I actually like told Dean and Dean was like no don't be silly (laughs) and then um I had to ring my friends and was like oh my god I don't know what to do so I did feel like I was you know really too young to have a kid but um 
we tossed and turned about like am I too young or will I cope and all that because realistically we were working but we didn't have a house we didn't have any kind of real plans of life or anything mm. um but yeah like we were like no nah, let's just go for it so mm-hmm. yeah what what kind of helped you become well, I, a of stuff do you think well to be honest I knew that Dem would support me like we had been together for a couple of years before we oh it must have been a year and a half and we were already engaged we were planning life like we knew that we would want to get married first and all that kind of stuff but um my parents and Dean's parents were quite excited as well nervous but excited That's cool. so we would be the first grandchild as well oh nice so um yeah everyone was pretty pumped <laughs> so take me through telling mum and dad that because you said you mentioned your friends to get did you obviously talk to them first before mum and dad because you yeah, wanted to like right, how I, do did, I, approach this? I did because um when you I, I think I kind of thought mum and dad would be a little bit upset because mum and dad are quite old school in that way that they would like us to get married first mm. but um I knew mum and dad would be okay with it when they get their head around of it you know yep. Dan's parents were excited from the get-go yeah they were pretty excited um and then once mum and dad really thought about it I think they were like okay this is cool <laughs> you know um and I actually moved home me and Dan moved home mum and dad put us up in the back unit and we renovated the house with um my brother's help doing the kitchen and set it up so it'd be a little flat for us and baby and we were all kind of set mm. yeah thinking of um you mentioned like the um i think it was your parents you said they're quite traditional the yeah. prof- like things the ducks in a row so yeah. to speak what are your thoughts around, because I have a lot of conversations with people these yeah. days that they actually reckon that people should have a kid first before getting married because that's the real test? I honestly think living together is a, probably a biggest test because I think you've got to financial, like how people spend money, like how people cope with their getting home from work moods. Like, I don't know, I found... Getting home from work yeah, moods, I'm writing that down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never heard anyone put it like that, but I get exactly what you mean. Because you have to get along with each other, and I think you've also got to have that balance of friends, um, time alone from each other. Like, Den and I can have our own space in our house, and we're, we're okay. Mm. Like, I think that's what I knew, but when we were going through being pregnant and all that um you know he'd be at all the appointments and all that support and that that helps and I think that's when you grow and you're like yep cool I think this is probably a good experience you know that you want to get married because you've gone through all this you've gone through those life experiences and um yeah it ticks the boxes really it's not because it's not only about like um like putting up with each other is not like being able to sit there and handle the grumpiness so to speak it's more about knowing when to take space as well eh? yeah and i think um sometimes you know they say that men and women cope different Mm. but like you grow as well and you think okay well they're really upset with that or that really um bothers them and that's when you need to know when to you know evaluate that situation or not um and as well as like parents, like me getting on so well with his family and him getting on with my family was like the key. Um, I had been in past relationships and it hasn't worked mm. and it isn't good. 
And I kind of think it's best to walk away. When your family didn't get on with your partner? My exes and stuff. Well, yep. things like that. When they didn't get along, it was really hard. Mm. And um, What were they, the hard parts? Um, <laughs> um, I would say that when you'd want to do Christmas or a birthday or some special celebrations and everyone was not on the same wave of things um as now it's like Dean can go over to mum's house and hang out and it would be you don't even need me yeah I don't have to be that way you know be there same with his mum and dad you know like it's just neutral and that's how it should be that's when you know that you know what those experiences you've been through yeah you're ready for marriage (laughs) yeah sorry I'm just jotting down the the family dynamic stuff it's pretty cool I reckon sweet so then um you tell your parents and they kind of come to terms with it. Your friends yeah. and stuff are all excited for you. Yeah. Um, do you start kind of picturing how life's going to be? Yeah. I didn't know I was going to have a boy, but I was like, I had a feeling I'd want a boy. Mm. Um, and I always had this vision of this dark head little boy with brown eyes and like, I just knew. Yeah. Um, and I kind of was one of the first out of all my friends to actually have a baby so oh, you're, the, you're was, the dummy run yeah everyone <laughs> was quite like you know life was going to change i was probably what you would say like i enjoyed to go out you know have a drink i like to socialize sounds familiar <laughs> um and when den and i did meet each other we were partying and meeting each other through friends and all that kind of stuff um and so i was like my life's gonna change but you know, I feel like I was ready for it. I was ready to settle down. Um, and I was just excited. I was just so excited to have this baby. So what were some of the things that you were envisioning? You said you were ready to plan. And what were some of the things that you had in your head and how it was going to be? Um, pretty pretty perfect, I thought. I was going to have, like, a natural birth. Um, if not, I wanted a water birth. I kind of had these visions of it. I probably the person that I was then and now I was probably a little bit easygoing I would say like I trust I trust a lot of people really easily um and I just listen to what their experiences and go with it me now I would probably say do some more research yeah um listen to other people's opinions and take what you want from it you know, don't always think that particular don't person. Don't just take the first is, answer. Yeah, yeah. And Shop I, around, so yeah. to speak. And I think I'm lucky because Facebook wasn't that big back when I first got pregnant and that. It wasn't massive, but like it is now, and I think everyone puts their two cents in. Mm. And you kind of got to go with your gut a little bit more. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing I probably think with my pregnancy. Um, I did get a lot of swelling in that from my legs, and I was obviously hairdressing, so I was standing a lot. I was pretty sick, um, and I probably should have just taken more time off to rest. Yep. But, you know, the work ethic in me was like, no, keep going, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask as well, and obviously you don't have to answer. I've told you you don't have to answer anything, yeah. but I'm interested to know, because... I've seen a lot of friends go through pregnancy yeah. and it can be a tough time on the relationship. Can mm-hmm. you share with us, I guess, some of the bickering or whatever that went on or some of the things that probably in hindsight didn't really matter, but at the probably time... Probably the only thing I'd probably say is that I got a little bit more... 
I was a bit nesting, like I was always panicking. I was like, oh, I need to have this organized, I need to have this organized. And Dem was probably a bit like, oh, you know, chill, chill out. out a little bit. <laughs> um, and I was, yeah, I was probably say I was probably always hungry. I was always like, let's go and get this and that. Probably he put on a bit more weight because of me. And we just kind of settled. We kind of just stayed inside. Yeah. <laughs> I just grew a baby and we kind of... Friends changed as well, like some friends you probably wouldn't probably see as much now because they're just in a different life part than yeah. us. But um, It's crazy, yeah, that's quite a common thing. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go as far as to say people lose friends, but yeah. they definitely lose touch. They definitely do. And um, I think that's the same as when I had crows and when I was pregnant changed as well. Um, people that were there for you didn't know how to be there for you and sort of stepped back a bit too much maybe yeah. <laughs> um but you know it's all right like everyone's human and everyone has to do what copes yep. and how they cope with things yeah so going into um you know you mentioned before um meeting your midwife and stuff like that um how was your experience with that because i've seen both i've seen people who really gel with their midwife and they absolutely love yeah. them. they get on sweet and then i've seen other people who don't and it's a bit weird but they yeah like you said too scared to speak up or too scared i to... was um i went through um a midwifery place in new plymouth and um I actually saw probably six different midwives oh, in wow. that time. They didn't have any. There was Shit, no consistency. There was no consistency from midwife to midwife, and I did feel like they had too many babies, like too many pregnant people, and not enough people to kind of cater mm. for us. I felt like you could see the strain on um, that department. Yeah, yeah. Um, and As you speak about it, I kind of th- I, I think of a school with too many students and yeah, not enough teachers and the chaos yeah. that, that, that that brings. But I also listened to my parents and their experiences, friends' experiences that had had babies and all that, um, and kind of just thought, you know what, I'll just trust my, my body a bit and just go with it. Um, and again, I had this vision of like, <laughs> my mum was a natural birth, I'm pretty sure Den's mum was too. Like, I'll be fine. You were? I was, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I was born and I did have a little bit of meconium, so I did spend a bit of time in Neo. And so I was open to that. Hmm. And that's probably um, part of me, which was like, oh, my baby could go to Neo, but I'm sure I'll be fine. I've well, got mums probably screaming at me now for asking this question, but yeah. for those that also think it, because I know you're going to be listening too, what's meconium? Okay, so meconium is when the baby passes its first bowel motion. Oh yeah. So um, you tend to be it tends to be quite. I don't want to know if it's true, but poisonous. Yeah. You don't really want to have meconium around a baby. So they take your shit while they're inside your stool. Basically, or in birth, um, and a, a good sign is that it can be grainy or yellowy. Mm. Um, and then that's when you kind of need to be worried. <laughs> you don't want your baby to have that around it um and that's when you really hope that you're in hospital and looked after so you're at this place that seems to be um understaffed for lack of a bit yeah. like I, say, I keep thinking of yeah. a school with yeah. too many students and not enough yeah. teachers by the way you described yeah. it um so the emotions you're feeling at the time was obviously pretty erratic or yeah. were you pretty cruisy because you i trusted them yep. quite a lot um and i was just like going with it 
um, in the end I did um, feel like I was having a little bit of contractions at one point I was at a movie and I remember being like oh I just don't really feel that good and um, I did ring them for advice they kind of told me to stay home not worry about it it was a couple of times which I felt like I was reaching out for help and they were kind of just brushing it under the the, um, the rug a little bit and mm. I was a bit like oh what do I do you know um, but once again that trust thing come in we are like they obviously know better yeah They've done with and then you're before. like okay okay just listen to them I have always heard I'd probably say most people have said that if you think you are going into labor stay at home for a bit longer like because once you get into hospital contractions could stop that's what everyone's kind of tells you mm. um and so yeah, not to that. rush up to hospital you know yeah it's a it's like a common sentence that everyone tells you that you're like okay um so how did you balance that out like kind of like it, it, it sounds like at the time and tell me if i'm wrong mm. but it sounds like at the time that you were that you had a massive gut feeling that something wasn't right but the outside no, world um, was telling you so i um i actually was getting quite overdue like I was almost I was 42 weeks pretty much 41 41 weeks and I think it was about five days so it was almost 42 weeks which is full term pregnancy yeah. so I was like you know I'm getting pretty big my um my legs were quite swollen I actually went and got tested for toxemia because I thought I had toxemia because I was, my legs and water retention was quite bad um what's toxemia it's it's dangerous as well yeah. when you're pregnant. Um, basically, I think it is like water retention. Yeah. I don't know hundred percent, but yeah. um, you should um, you should be in hospital if you have got it. And that's when I was like worried. But then they kind of cons- I did do a test and they said I was fine. So I went home and that. And then um, basically, I went to I went into labour at like midnight one night, and um, my contractions and body was just not as normal as everyone said it would be and I kind of was like I'll just go with it and then um mum came in and was watching me and she was like this doesn't look very normal Mm -hmm. I felt like I was having a lot more contractions than time apart and um then I started vomiting and I was pretty sick um, and then I rung the midwife, well actually Dennis rang the midwife and... You were she, still at home at this point? Yeah, and Den was, um, he rung and talked to her and she said, no, no, stay home, blah, blah, blah. And so we stayed home and then it got after a couple more hours and I started leaking meconium, what we talked about before. Yeah. Um, as I believe was meconium. Um, and then... I was like, nah, and mum was like, nah, and Dean was definitely like, get up to the hospital, um, rung the midwife, told her. It's a baby poos, you're leaking. Well, well not, I didn't know what it was, yeah. I assumed it was meconium, okay. I just was like, this just doesn't look normal, I was pretty ill, Yeah. Um, I knew I was getting pretty dehydrated, and I was like, nah, I just don't feel safe being at home, so I wanted to go to hospital. Um, Went to hospital, she arrived like half an hour later. Um, it wasn't actually my midwife too, it was a reliever midwife. So I hadn't had any time with this lady at all. She didn't know me at all. Um, so you already mentioned that you had yeah, a bunch of different midwives yeah. leading up to it. And then on the night of the birth, you got hit with another one. Yeah. Fucking hell. 
And so um, I said to her, look, I think I'm leaking meconium, blah, blah, blah. She checked me. She put a monitor on me. The actual monitor that went around my stomach was broken. It didn't even fit properly. She had to keep trying to fix it. And I was just like, this isn't going good not, from not the start. Not instilling any confidence in nah. you? And um, she um, basically wasn't really in the room much. But I decided to um, stay and just listen to what she said. Um, she tested me and said, you know what, you're alright, go home. Um, I think just go and have a bath, chill out, like you're only one or two centimetres dilated, don't worry about it, you know, you just gotta fight it out, you know. And um, Fuck, I can tell by the way you're talking yeah, that this is gonna go hectic. Yeah, and I was like I actually couldn't really talk. She made me sit in the bed the whole time and all I wanted to do was stand up. Mm. Um, and I was just worried about the discharge of what it was. Um, and in the end, I just... The only, th- only strength I had in me was like, no, I'm not going home. Check me one more time. She checked me one more time and she goes, oh, you're a leaky meconium. And so, in that point, it was just a little bit panicky. She had actually talked to the obstetrician while I was in there saying that this girl may need a C-section being overdue, like, pretty close to 42 weeks. He had a fair idea, but he didn't actually know what was going on with me in the in the, the room. room yeah. yeah, so there was no real communication between the midwife and the obstetrician. Um, and so, we ended up saying she was saying okay look we're gonna have to go and have a c-section blah 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 i was like okay um and at this point i was quite nervous but i was still like i'm gonna have a baby like yep. you know like all i want is my baby and was there any like obviously you had a plan you know your natural birth and stuff they yeah. mentioned c-section did that yeah. throw you quite hard it did make me feel a bit gutted i was like oh, i really wanted to do it natural because I didn't want the recovery and I also didn't want to, I kind of wanted to be like my mum, like Mm. I wanted to kind of be able to be like, I'm proud of myself, I've given birth to a baby, you know, naturally and all that, Um, and then it kind of kicks you, but you kind of at that point, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to trust them again, even though it's been a bit of a ride, um, and get my baby, that's all I want, if I can get it this way, then I'll get it. Um, So all the hang-ups you had were kind of like more the superficial sort of stuff, like the recovery, I want to be like mum, but but then when you actually clicked, hey, fuck, as long as I get a healthy baby, who gives a shit? And and, you know, like mum and Dan were quite worried, but they didn't want to pop that on me. Um, they were kind of listening to support worker, the, you know, the midwife team and all that. Um, and then as I was going up to hospital, the midwife was holding a cup of coffee and she was not helping them to orderly push the, the, the bed up to the C-section operation thing. And I was just like, come on, lady, like, you know, like, I'm stressed. <laughs> Don't worry about your damn coffee. Put your coffee down and just get me there. It was just like the feeling that I got from her that was just like you know what you'll you'll you'll, you'll be fine you'll be fine you know mm. um and do you still like looking back on it it's still the same because emotions yeah. can change after time yeah you know? so, yeah but looking back on it do you still feel like she's pretty lackadaisical yeah she was and even when I was in um waiting they wanted to give me a spinal and I sh- probably should have just been put under and baby taken from me but there's also a long process of like getting the spinal ready 
um, like paperwork, like a lot of things like that, when you're like, geez, man, like I'm pretty sure I'm leaking meconium, like get this baby out of me. There was no real urgency. Um, and then we went into the operation room after I had the epidural. And then um, Cruz was born. Um, so he was, was C-section? Yeah, so he was C-section. Um, the things that I were told was he came, well, he came out, he was stillborn. Um, there was no actual monitoring of crows at all from the, um, the maternity room up to the operation at all. No one was monitoring him inside me. So they didn't know what was going on. They realised he's still stillborn. They go to resuscitate him and he's in meconium. So they don't remove the meconium from him, they just uh, blow it. So it goes into all his organs, everything. Gives him, what do you mean they blow it? They Well, they put air into him, so yeah. they're putting air in, so basically just explodes, basically. Like you should suction it out, so you can get as much out as possible. Because meconium's like tar, mm. like it's um, black, sticky, like it's not yeah, yeah. something if you any, want if in anyone your Anyone that's seen a baby do its first shit. It's black, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so... I was to say, I'm lucky to have seen it. I don't know if you call it lucky, <laughs> but I, I've, I've seen it. I've, I was there with my brother when he had his babies. and so If you haven't seen it yet, it is something you can safely Google or YouTube. It's not going to gross <laughs> you out too much. It's just... Yeah. Real black sticky shit. Um, and so they put a they managed to get some oxygen or him breathing after sixteen minutes. Fuck. So in this time I'm lying on the bed and no So you had no time. idea that this is going on? Nah. All I, I did you know, I didn't even think in my head my baby's not crying. I was just so happy. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna have a baby. Like, yeah. you know, and I, he's here and you know, and me and Dem were just sitting there. Dem went up to cut the vertical cord, and of course they kind of pushed him back in there. He got to see the lovely side of gum boots and blood and everything um, that you probably don't want to see of your partner in a C-section. Yeah, uh, fuck you, run goes through yeah. it, eh? Um, but then, Poo and all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we actually... We're just waiting and very positive. They did say Cruz will probably need to go down to neonatals. The neonatal team was there. We were like, yep, I'm, I'm familiar with that from me being born. I feel like that's okay. Um, in this time, later I find out that um, the breathing tube that they put down him was not in the right place. They put it down way too low. Fucking hell, this gets worse and worse. Yeah, and they... Um, they weren't inflating both lungs so he wasn't breathing a hundred percent um they were using house air as well they weren't using proper oxygen they don't they don't really like to use proper oxygen on babies um but they have since changed that in the operation what, why what's the difference i think i don't i don't 100 percent know okay. but i would say it's probably a little bit dangerous i'd say yeah but um yeah so Basically, they wish them down to neonatal, um, and they haven't told me anything. They've so told you're me still sitting in this room? Haven't held my baby, haven't seen my baby. How long has it been? Um, probably an hour and a half, Fuck. something like that. Um, when you obviously Anyone from the family seen him? Or? Only seen him race down the hallway, you know, in the incubator. 
they um Dean saw him though he saw crows but I hadn't and they sew me up and put me in recovery and I've got to look after myself now you know like I can't get out of bed like I can't go and see him so they're like well we'll wheel you down soon and all that when I get down there you know seeing your baby with all these chews in there he wasn't in an incubator he was actually just lying underneath a heated cot kind of um and I kind of was you know I was happy I was like don't really it, know what's going on. At this on. point, you still didn't know anything until you walk in and see him with the trees, but you still assume that was normal? Yeah, yeah. Um, no one had seen anything to me. Um, we knew that birth was pretty rough, but we didn't know anything. Um, I get to... I can't hold him. I can hold his hand. Um, then they come and tell me that basically the oxygen machines and everything they have in New Plymouth aren't good. They can't help him get to 100% oxygen. They need to put him in a specialist ward that can care for him so he gets flying to Waikato. So as and far this is as, within yeah, hours of birth? Yeah. So he was born at 12.30. He had gone to, he'd gone to um, Hamilton about 7 at night. So there was quite a long delay. Mm. So when your baby is basically lacked from oxygen they like to put a um, cooling blanket they call it on kids so what that does is prevents brain damage it cools them down seizures um, and all those kind of bad things that could happen to them they they like to put them in these cooling blankets yeah overheating is what can yeah. lead to and so he wasn't in there one he should have been in one at least four hours after birth and he didn't get into one till we got to Waikato. So that can also do a bit of damage for him. Um, but again, no one had really explained to me what was going on. They just said, look, we've got to send him up there and he's full oxygen. They can't do it here. So um, they send him off in a helicopter and on a new plumber. <laughs> no, I don't know. They said to me, we'll try and send you up tomorrow. So in this time, I still haven't held my baby or... And how and like, how are you at this stage? Like, are you still kind of, or they know what they're doing? I, or? Yeah, I trusted them. I fully trusted them, but I was quite upset at the situation. But again, it was kind of like, how am I going to get up to Waikato and I can't walk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, how am I going to get there? How's Dennis going to get there um, and all that? Um, also money, like what does it mean? Do we have to stay up there? Do we have to you know like all that kind of stuff um yeah but we go i go back to my ward and the doctor comes in and says um cruz is basically fine he just needs you know some extra help and all that and later do I, t I i have talked to my doctor about that and explaining maybe you should <laughs> explain things different um but i do think that i was in a bit of denial like i don't think I actually understood the that what's gone on. Mm. Um, you know, you're hormonal. You don't know. <laughs> you just want to have this baby. So, yeah. um, and then the next day they tell me I'm going to Waikato. I don't know what's going on with him overnight. No oh, so one... you're still in Plymouth, where they tell you yeah, he's fine. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. No one calls me from Waikato. Later, I find out that he almost did die in the aeroplane. Or the helicopter. And how did you find that out? The next day. I didn't find out until the next day. 
So and like in what way though? In what way did they let you know? When I what, got to Waikato, they they just told you, or yeah, you... they said to me go up to Waikato, and I'm like, okay, you first had a C-section, but walk up the steps on the ambulance, and you know, get in here, get in there, and I'm like pretty struggling. Never had a C-section before; it was pretty painful. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, so and... you've, you've just had your C-section, and you're walking upstairs onto a plane. Yeah, that's the plane and... ride would have been a bit. They made me lie down at, okay. on the ambulance, but it was pretty painful. It was probably actually more painful on the ambulance, to be honest. Yeah. Pretty rocky. But um, get to Waikato, Den and I are there. They were lucky. They actually was able to take Dennis with me up there. Um, and then we go into the ward, and everyone's kind of tiptoeing us around us, like, you know, are you okay? You know, you're right, you know. And that's only something you notice in retrospect, or you noticed at the time? No, I felt like, I don't know, I just... I felt like something was up, mm. but I didn't know. I actually was on my phone that night thinking, I'm going to try and Google what's wrong. Like, need baby need extra oxygen, what, and then you go to... You know, I was just Googling anything. I was like, <laughs> what could it be? Yeah, yeah. Um, How does that... Because I usually advise against Dr. Yeah. Google because it can set panic in because it always yeah. brings up the negative yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, Was that what happened? Or? I was just like... You wanted what to know do you something. Think? Yeah. I was just like, yeah, what are you... You're, you're a mum now. You had that feeling towards someone. Um, and then... And you still haven't held your baby at this point? No. Fuck. So, and it's been a day. Yeah. So we get up there pretty much lunchtime the next day, pretty much 24 hours after he was born. The doctors come over and they say, you know, your baby has got severe brain damage. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, he may not make it. And I was like, what do you mean? I thought he was just coming here for oxygen. They're like, did they not tell you what was going on? I was like, no. I just was in, I don't even think I cried straight away. I was just about like, what do you mean? Like, um, seeing crows, he had like tubes coming out of everywhere. Like he had these protection on his eyes he had a, this cooling blanket wrapped around in there and he was with other babies they were like really tiny like neonatal babies and i was just like he's the biggest one here like why is my baby that's full term here yeah you know like i was just like it's really strange um and then took a bit to sit in and kind of explain it to you know your parents and your brothers and just being like, I don't know what's happened, but apparently it's brain damage. Wow. And then they said to me, oh, we're not going to give him a proper diagnosis till he's about two years old. <laughs> I was all like, <laughs> like, oh, what's, gonna, what's my kid's future like? And, you know, we just were shocked. Yeah. Um, and then... Is that just because, like, I guess knowing the actual effects of stuff, they can't tell till later? Yeah, basically they don't want to put... Um, I think it's fair for a doctor to say that, but I don't think it's fair to feel that that kind of what if, you know, what ha- what will happen. Yeah. I understand it, but it's just, yeah. I think you kind of want... You couldn't say to me, day one of having a baby, look, your kid's never going to walk. He's never going to talk. Yeah. You're thinking, what What are you point being there? My son's life's over. That's mm. what you think. Um, I'm glad no one told me that, but we did get the idea of cerebral palsy um, when we got back to New Plymouth. They told us, they sat us down and they told us. Mm. Um, but we were in Waikato... They told you it was a possibility or they said for sure? 
Yeah, they said cerebral palsy, but they didn't say... Um, basically, cerebral palsy is brain damage at birth mm-hmm. um, and most of the time. Um, and what type of cerebral palsy is always um, the future. You don't know as they grow. They could be mild to extreme. Like, they could be all different types of, you know... And what are the basic side effects or of, of cerebral palsy? So cerebral palsy, it tends to be... For Crohn's, he's quadriplegic. So his four limbs are affected. His um, head is quite affected as well. Um, basically, it's your movements on your body. So it's your speech, your walking, your, your um, hands, everything to do with movement. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very smart... And a lot of people forget that it's just his new movements that are, um, you know, effective. Yeah. Um, but as he's got older, you see that affects a lot more. When he's little and a baby, they do very similar motions. As a baby? Yeah. Oh, there's photos there. So I'm just getting shown a photo at the moment of what things look like in the hospital, so... It might... Let's walk it Grab these off you guys to share yeah. with people listening. Yeah. Um, but do you know, like, the time in Waikato was really good. Like, they did um, look after him really, really well. They um, they got us involved. Um, we didn't actually hold Cruz until he was about two weeks old. Right. He um, was... Generally, they say that three or four days, they'll take him off that cooling blanket. They're normally, like, sedated. Like, they, they, they can't actually... Um, feel a lot or mm. open their eyes or anything like that. So sedated, that's it. Um, yeah. So um, when we got to hold him, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Like we were just like, we actually felt like he was ours. I think you kind of don't really, you don't you don't grow a maternal part. You feel for them, but you don't feel, feel the love as much because you haven't held them. Mm. Um, and, I was going to ask, on, tell yeah. me about that moment when you when you first got to help yeah. hold him. What? Well, I actually was like, Cruz seemed to react to Dennis way more. Like, he would, Cruz would hold, he would hold Cruz's hand and Cruz would, you know, look at him and all that. And I was like, what? I'm the mum. Like, <laughs> the boys supposed to love their mums more. I um, fucking carried you for nine yeah. months and you fucking smiled at him. <laughs> I was like, pretty like, I said to Dan, I was like, he doesn't love me. Like, I was like, real, you know, I, I struggled really hard more than Dan. Dan was stronger than me and I was just like, oh my God. Um... We, um, I'll go. pause you there actually. I'll quickly ask him because he's yeah. he is here yeah. for those listening. But she says that you handled a lot better and yeah. you you were a lot tougher. Do you think that's a fair assessment, or were you actually fucking going nuts inside? But you knew you had to be strong for the whānau? I was. I'd say I was going nuts inside. Eh? Yeah. A lot of anger. Hey. Yeah. Know, towards. towards just like what, with like what the midwife and that did. I don't know if Chelsea was. You probably say that mm. later on. What, what you know, yep. what the outcome was. What happened in that room when Chelsea was getting checked for meconium and you know. Yeah. Mm. Chelsea probably cut. You probably say that part, eh? Yeah. You know. So you just had a lot of things going on. He your, was your pretty. Fire. He was pretty angry. Like we were just like, this isn't gonna go away. Like the whole. Yeah. We'll tell you the outcome later, but mm. like. I think we were just very bitter with worst, why our baby was this way, why we weren't told. The worst part, part was um, when we were sitting in the room in Waikato and um, 
there's this old nurse and she was like, oh, you know, Chess is like, oh, she reminds me of my nana that passed away years ago. This and nurse you're talking about? Yeah. The nurse reminded you of your nana? Yeah, yep. she yeah. was very, like, I don't know, you felt that maternal side to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she pulled she, the old, uh, I, I was in shock because the part that she said, she was like, oh, I just, um, you know, um, you, you should probably get rid of the child. Oh, for fuck's sake. She's, you know, pulled she, the plug because he was on life support for a bit. And she said, you know, you should probably just give up because my, my daughter's friend had a child with disabilities and um, similar outcome and her partner just left her and that, that was it. You know, she's, she's a single mum and she's like, just saying this in front of Chelsea and I was just like she said to me, Oh, you were there too? I was there. She oh, said yeah. in front of me and usually I'd probably be like, oh, fuck off, you, you know? Yeah. But um, I was in shock. I was just. She quiet. said to me, just... "Do you want to be a single mum raising a child um, alone, mm. or do you want to keep your partner?" And I said, "Fucking hell!" I know whatever outcome comes, I'll be there for my child, and that's all that matters. Whatever Dennis chooses, he chooses. And she said, "But that's no life for him or you." And I said, "What do you mean?" It's life, you're living. You deserve to have whatever life you can have. Like, I don't know, like I was just, I was really shocked and I was quite hurt and then from then I was like, I can't trust anyone. Like mm. I did feel like I had lost a lot of trust. I actually... I was going to ask how was this affected you? Yeah, and then I think like, I think emotionally, I think I just was always crying. I was always... You know, little things, I was just upset. I didn't know what to tell people. I look back at my posts and stuff that I did write on Facebook, and I was just like, I was in freaking denial. Like, I like what? Do you mean examples? Like, I'd be like, Chris is or... doing good, you know, we'll oh, yeah. be back home soon, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I was just like, what? You know, like, no, he was not. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, all... you think a part of that as well was like you were trying to paint a bit of a picture for everyone else? I just wanted to go home. Mm. I just wanted to go home. That's all I wanted. We were staying in Hilda Ross, which is the little um, hostel in the hosp- in the hospital. And it was pretty eerie-fairy feeling. Like, it was... Um, I didn't feel safe there. Um, it was... I ended up moving. We moved into a, a double room because there was quite a lot of... Um, I don't know. People were in the hospital staying in there for the wrong reasons, I think, sometimes. What, what do you mean? Um, they were in the lounge. There'd be people like drinking and like watching TV real late at night, and you would hear it all down the hallway. And you're like, "Aren't you in hospital because your loved ones in hospital?" I don't know. Just like milking, it just, milking the free yeah, accommodation. Yeah, and um, I just didn't feel very safe. And it was probably the first time in my life that I was probably like real broken. And I didn't know what to do. But I, all I focused on, me and Dean was focused on, was just getting home. We were like, if we're in New Plymouth, we know that that is not... Um, we're getting better. If we can move Waikato, like, hospital, we're not in the intense ICU. Yeah, like, well, it's a step in the right direction being yeah, too, isn't it? Yeah. Elaborate on being broken, though. What do you mean being broken? Um, well, I just didn't feel I had control on the situation. Like... I've felt like I had everything planned in place mm. and all that, but I couldn't take my baby. Like, I couldn't take him. I knew I couldn't. 
I knew I couldn't care for him. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to do. All I could do was breastfeed, um, breast pump for him. So I just express milk for him. So was it at that moment where things like, you know, the, the perfect picture you had painted in your head, yeah. um, the trust that had been broken multiple levels by multiple people, yeah. you're getting fucked off with people milking yeah. the system and yeah. staying in the hospital for the yeah. wrong reason. Is that where all everything kind of intersected yeah. I was and climaxed? Just, yeah, and Cruz as well, like he was having lots of seizures. Mm. Um, and I was just like never really... Like, I'd had friends who I knew of that had seizures and all that kind of stuff, but not babies, and I didn't know what that meant for life for him. I didn't even know. Um, we were pretty tight on money as well. Like, we didn't even, like, think about living in <laughs> a different town, you know, through the hospital and all that kind of stuff. And they also don't support partners. Yeah, so they don't so, feed partners yeah. or anything just like Chelsea that. Just get the support. I'd have to, you know, come up with my own meals and whatnot. Um, it was just stressed. The biggest thing that that was horrible even about that place is when you just put in that fucked up situation with your whole son and then they stick you in this old fucking accommodation. Yeah. That's like, it's fuck. it was disgusting. There's blood in the basins and it just... You know, like you couldn't put your Chelsea wasn't allowed to put a breast milk in the fridges because people steal the breast milk. Oh, so fuck. who the fuck does that? You know. So and I would like, walk there. Right? I walk had to, we had to go to like the supermarket, get a taxi, and um, I just bought a whole bunch of cleaning products and whatnot, <laughs> did all, and just scrubbed the floor, and that was just for a shower, you know, because she had she still had an open wound, you know. I was very paranoid. I would get ill. Yeah. And then I would be in hospital and it I just, had to be healthy and I had to be strong. And, you know, you just, you just, me and Dean yeah. were like, we got, okay, we've just got to look after ourselves, get through this, um, get our baby home. And um, I think we just listened to them. He wasn't eating or drinking or anything. He was IV fluids. This is Cruz? Yeah, Cruz. And, um... And I would just go every like four hours and pump milk and that's all I could do. And we could do as cares and that was it. Like we was very lonely. We were by ourselves a lot of the time. Like um, And I get like just from the way like, obviously they can't yeah. see the listeners, but the way you're looking at me and explaining things, yeah. is, is it fair to say you felt fucking useless? Yeah. Yeah. And um kind of like why me? Like why like I'm I'm a good person, like you know, like I was like, I'm, what have I done to be in this situation, or you know? I'm glad like, you can speak honestly about yeah. it because look, we all go through it, yeah. but a lot of people are ashamed of that feeling and they yeah. don't express it. Yeah. So I'm glad that you yeah. you can wholeheartedly admit that you felt a bit, for lack of a better term, a bit victimized or like, why is this yeah. happening to me? I'm a good person. And you know, like people would come in and the counselors and all that, and they'd come and talk to you and that. But you felt in your head you didn't want to you didn't want to seem crazy as well because you didn't want them to think that there was something to worry about with you because you just knew that all I wanted to do was sit with my baby, mm. you know, and they kind of they're there for you to support you in that, but you kind of like you don't want to worry about yourself, you just want to worry about him and uh, me personally as well. I think if I was talking to a counselor, are they independent or? Um, I, I don't remember a lot, but 
Because um, in my head, it would be someone that the hospital would prescribe yeah, you. Yeah, they would. So then, if you said anything to them about you being fucked off with the midwife, whatever, they would conspire some sort of so they give, thing to cover it up, you know? That's, and maybe that's super cynical of me, but that's just what I imagined would happen. So the, um, the actual doctor, the... Um, the doctor that was looking after him, he actually took us, yeah, yep. he took us aside and said, um, I just want to let you know that what's from what I've read in my, your notes, I don't think it's so-called normal. I, don't, I think there is some kind of misplay or I'd look more into it. That's all he said. He said it doesn't seem like this is a typical like reason why your baby's in here. And then that's when we kind of got this fuel inside of us to be like, you know what? Yeah, we will. We will look into this. So he, there was another doctor that let you know that in his view there'd been a bit of misconduct. Yeah. Interesting. And because your trust levels were all over the fucking show, mm. but you trusted him? Like with what he, he said? Was, he had my baby alive. He was looking after him. He kind of would communicate with us what we were doing. Yeah. All that kind of stuff, so... He'd been transparent with you from the start. Yeah, he'd been honest with me. He was the one that said, your baby's going to be brain, have brain damage. And we were like, what? Yeah. So, you know, we were okay. We, we felt like we trusted Waikaro a lot. Yeah. A lot. They were very good for us, yeah. Um, they had a little diary that they used to write what um, happened to Cruz in that day, so we could always refer back to it. Cool. And look and go, you know what, he's gone from this to this. And every little chord that went off him, we celebrated, we were just stoked. So what were some of those little wins that you'd get? The cooling blanket was probably the biggest thing. Like, he was just seizuring and seizuring and seizuring. And we were like, they were like, you know what, we're just going to have to take it off him and see. Like, you can't leave it longer than a certain amount of time. And we were just like, yep, just do it. I'm a very, like, <laughs> I'd probably say I rip the bandage off and go, yeah, you'll be sweet, carry on. Yep. And I had to train my whole feelings of, actually, no, I've got to go with Cruz's chillness and when he's ready. And that was quite hard for me. Yeah. But um, I think him and I have kind of learned a happy medium as he's growing um, of when to be like you're okay mate or <laughs> I've got to give you a bit more time I think it's a big thing I mean obviously your your situation's hypersensitive to that fact yeah. I think our parents go through that I mean I go through that as an yeah. uncle like when yeah. to kick and when to cuddle yeah. it's fucking yeah. hard to measure it is, it is and I think um, you decide that you're that parent and you've got to do what you can do as best Yeah. Um, and Especially there's no like, right way really and we have that internal battle where we want to be their friend too Yeah. but you got to yeah. it's hard but sometimes yeah. you got to tell yourself well, I'm not here to be your fucking friend yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly um but yeah, like how the day we, you know, got to hold Crows, I think I snapped out of that, you know what, he, I love him mm. and he's going to love me. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even though he likes Dennis right now, <laughs> I, I love even him more. I'm not the I favorite. love him more, I swear. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was like, nah, we're going to go and we're going to, you know, fight for this. So then, all right, take us through um, you bringing him. I guess getting out of hospital and, and how that all worked. So um, we went, he went home um, air ambulance um, and we had to get home some way. Um, <laughs> by the time that we had left, I had two big chilli bins of breast milk because he hadn't had anything left. Uh. So I was, 
yeah, they were kind of giving me a bit of shit about that, but it's just the hospital was yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because that's all I did there. There was so much, you know. Um, giving you shit in what way? Like, oh, I was just like, God, it's like cows being oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> milking all day. Yeah. So, so like, not actually has yeah, just just nah, a bit of banter. Real good, yeah. And I was like so excited. We went back to New Plymouth. They. I was nervous as well because I didn't know if he would get as good care as he had up there and I didn't know um, when I'd be going home from then. But I knew that I was in New Plymouth and my friends and family could come and see us and that was the next tick, you know, for them to meet crews and, you know, so that was cool. It was a pretty cool feeling. Was there any reservations within yourself like... When people were coming to meet them and stuff, was there anything that person you were like, oh, what are they going to think or what's, how are people going to react? No, because I was still like not told at this point. So he was in, um, he was up north for probably about two and a half, three weeks, and we were in New Plymouth, um, and we were only told he had brain damage. Mm. We were still not told he had cerebral palsy or okay. anything like that. So. We were pretty much just going with what he was needing. Um, he was um, on a seizure medication already. So we just continued doing everything that he needed to. He was um, getting fed through his um, nasal tube. So he was getting milk now and he was doing pretty good. Um, and so we were like, they were like, just kind of keeping me there a bit. I think about two weeks and I was like, I want to go home now. But I get a bit nervous for me to take him home because I think they don't really know, I guess, how people will react with any baby going home. But Mm. I think with my situation, they were a bit like, you know, is she going to be able to cope? Well, fuck, that midwife was telling you how she felt about shit. So she actually came to the hospital when we got back to New Plymouth with this big grin on her face saying, oh, I can't wait to meet him. And I just was, do you know, the niceness of me was just like, oh, he's okay. Um, talk to you later. Like, I was just like, I can't, can't P- deal. Pretend. And I also didn't want to burn the bridges with the other staff there, like, because they had been so good to me mm. um, and cause a scene and that. But I actually did talk to my, um, the staff and their NATO one said, I don't want her near me. And I just said, don't let him in there. I, I'm not happy. <laughs> um, you told them why? Like, did you explain to them the conversation that you'd had with yeah, them? Yeah, but to be honest, like, they don't, they didn't fully know the extent of what went on, but they also wanted to protect their staff. They work with yeah, the yeah. midwives. They have had good times with them. You know, it's kind of like sometimes they don't want to see the bad, but it's not that it was so much of what she did is how she acted about the whole situation. Yeah. Um, and there was no real remorse. Um, I also got told from another midwife, my main midwife came in and I trusted her and she started telling me some stuff like at the um, midwifery clinic, they were fighting about his birth and carrying on. And I was just like, is this a high school? Like fighting, like just fighting with each other over what protocol should have happened and all that kind of stuff and mm. I was just like that's personal information like you shouldn't be talking about what happened and all that you should be not even gossiping about that to me mm. but then they said to me Chelsea you be careful don't you put anything on Facebook I said what do you mean 
don't you put anything on Facebook about a midwife? And I said, why? I can tell my truth, like how I feel, how I feel like everything's happened. Who's saying this to you? A midwife. And I said, why? And they said, just be careful, we're watching you. And in that that situation, I was like, you know what? Something really bad happened. And something's trying to be covered up. And had you already, because obviously that recommendation by the doctor to, to look into the misconduct that had taken place, but... I you, knew, I knew from there. But you hadn't taken any action on that yet? You kind of just had that in the back of your head? Yeah. And then obviously having this conversation with the mm. midwives trying to gag you a bit. Yeah. I was like, you know what? That's weird. Mm. Like, that's weird. And I was just like, Dennis was probably pretty fired up in general. <laughs> in general. No, like, Dennis. I was like... He was like, you know, don't let her near you. Like he was trying to protect me, but I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this up. Like I will. And um, the day that they sat us down in that room and told us the lifespan of Cruz, well, just in general, what his life will look like. I felt there was this big room of all these professional people, the midwifery team, everyone, all pointing at us and telling us what's wrong with our baby. And I honestly have never felt so pissed off and hurt and lost in my life. But I kind of walked out of that room and I'm like, what am I going to tell everyone? You know, like, what's wrong with my baby? And, you know, everyone's going to look at me and tell what happened to your baby. And, you know, like, I don't know. I just didn't really know how to feel. I was just pretty broken. And then kind of that anger, he just kind of disappeared into just pure sadness. I was just like is gone you know um but when you go back to the room and you look at him you're like he's worth it mm. you know yeah. no so then what happens after that so so we finally get home um and he's still um fed through a tube through his nose and we just continue on they tell me that he'll never suck a bottle he'll never eat my first reaction is that boy's gonna suck a bottle <laughs> I try and try and try until one day he sucks a bottle and that's the biggest achievement I think I've ever had with him that I was like, you know what, my baby can suck a bottle. He's he's doing more than what he should be doing. Yep. Um, and so from then I took on basically the role of Cruz, I felt. Like my responsibility, I felt like I had it in me to to deal with Cruz's life and all mm. that and Dean was happy for me to take over that responsibility I think because my emotions was turning into a lot more stronger and my strength was you know getting more and yeah you're almost you're almost revitalized by the challenge of being told what you can't do yeah I was like you know what this boy can do it and I said to my friends I said you know he's they say he can't walk he will walk I look back at it now and I go you know what he probably can't walk, but we'll still keep trying, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's walking's not everything, that's what I've learned, you know, you don't need to do everything that they tell you you should be doing. Yeah, yeah, so then take me through, through people meeting him and stuff, and, and come and get to know him, like, you said that at first yeah. you were like, oh man, how are people going to react, what was the... To be, he was a baby, like a lot of people just wanted to cuddle him. Um, and you know, he was fine, but he, as he grew, he became a lot more, um, restless. Um, and he started doing a lot more behavior problems, which we now look back at to a lot of 
sensory issues and um, he would cry a lot. I had thought I had a colic baby, but yeah. it was probably a lot of the brain damage and all that kind of coming through. People found that, Chelsea, you need to feed him more or you need a, he needs to sleep. And I went through like play dates and I couldn't take him there because people didn't know how to, I don't know, comfort me or say like, why is your baby crying so much? Mm. You know, and it's like, you know, it's not my fault. I can't help him. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's him. So to help, I guess, people listening in those situations, yeah. what would your advice be to them to help you or help someone they know with a baby that's going through some difficulties, what would your advice, how can they help or manage or, or not make you feel so isolated? What are some things they can do or say just to help out? Honestly, just sometimes not put the pressure of saying something as more like talk about your life as well. Mm. Like make me feel included. I think that was hard thing. People wanted to talk about Cruz and his life and what's going on with him when all I wanted to do was be normal and wanted to know what was going on in your life so I could communicate and we could share stories together. You wanted to conversate, not give a presentation. Yeah, you definitely, you already pointed out as the odd one, you kind of know that he's not doing the same as another three-month-old or six-month-old. And so you just want to blend in. And as you get older, you realise you're not going to blend in. But you accept it in your own time, in your own ways. And a friend just being normal, telling us your problems, <laughs> yep. does help. Yeah. So then going back to um, the, the misconduct and yeah. stuff, yeah. What, what's happening there? What is, so or what I, decide, there? I decide, my GP tells me that I should um, file for ACC um, to look into if it is an accident at birth. Um, because as from what my expression of what the doctors in Waikato said and also um, what had gone on, what I had, I was pretty adamant that it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to I'm gonna look into this. They said, file for ACC, see what it comes back as. So about a year and a half he was um, covered by ACC due to um, resuscitation problems. So basically, the resuscitation that went down for Cruz was not done right. The breathing tube, they didn't have qualified staff on. The guy who resuscitated was his first meconium baby. There was like a lot of lot of things against me, to be honest. Mm. Um, and since then, that particular doctor has, we have seen grow through Cruz's life through the through the hospital and we've become more at peace with him but it still doesn't go away um the midwife company we actually did talk to them and communicate through uh um tribunal kind of thing mediation yeah we tried to mediate with them and find out a few answers for us they didn't really want to play ball with it. They were quite nasty and never said sorry or never apologetic for anything. They don't believe they did anything wrong. Um, this was the midwifery group that gave you six different people. Yeah. And someone random yeah. on the night that told you to stay home. Yeah. And don't worry about it. You'll be right. And no. then obviously. And that's the hardest thing is that I see people say on a Facebook, social media, and they say, who's a good midwife? And you plumber, 
and I just get really upset because I'm like, don't listen to other people on the internet. Go and do your own research. Well, who was your midwife recommended to you from? Um, my I was recommended through workmates. Okay. Workmates had said, you know, this is who you go through, and I know there's a shortage, so get onto it quick. So um, now you can go online and you can type in midwife midwife for your central where you live and it will tell you who you can have um when I decided to have a second baby and I decided to have another midwife the midwife that I chose had a lot of experience Mm. had um was older I felt like someone who was a bit older might have a bit more experience yep yeah naturally yeah so um yeah, we had a good bond. We talked honestly about what had happened and everything. Can I have respect for her? And, you know, she's done good by me. But I'm not saying that they're all bad or anything. Yeah, but yeah. I just hoped that that person or those group of people had learned from it. Mm. I don't know if they learned. Yeah. <laughs> That's my problem, is they don't think it affected them. So what would be a perfect world scenario for you from them? Like, is it an apology or what? What? what if things worked out exactly the way you wanted to, what would that look like? I honestly think that they need two people. I think that they need to at least have one person that they can go back for support. Like, just to confirm some of their situations or their decisions. I would say that doctors would talk to other doctors. And when I'm in the ward, they talk to a couple of people. They don't just take one judgment. And I think that's probably the hard thing is that they're kind of left to do it all on their own. Do my midwives. Yeah, midwives. And I do think that that's the biggest chance of that child's life is their birth and their outcome. So it should be done properly. And then, so talk to us through life with Cruz these days. So Cruz is... um, he goes to school. He goes to Bogletown School. How old is he now? He's six. He's six. So he started school a little bit later. He loves it. Loves it. The school has been really cool. They've um, accepted Cruz t- to be in a co-ed school. So he is just like any other kid. He does maths, his reading. He goes out to play. Like he does all those kind of things. He's only doing um, short-term days because he can't really handle a full day mm-hmm. um but he loves it loves the kids and the kids that really grab towards him tend to be kids that just want love yeah and Cruz gives that to them and that's been pretty cool to see um and I think it opens the eyes to other kids um that Cruz is just like everyone else you know do you find that kids are more receptive than adults? Hell yeah. Kids, kids um, can teach adults a lot. <laughs> Dan just looked at us from behind you and went, fuck, are you kidding me, bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, kids, um, they ask you the real questions. They mm. ask me those questions all the time. They say, you know, kids come up to me and say, oh, I'm going to put together a garage sale and I'm going to raise all this money to help crews walk. And I'm like, okay, honey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You know, you just got to like, they just see all the good and um, they never really see the bad. And, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, but Cruz is, um, his life in general, he's um, nonverbal. He's learning to communicate through um, pod. 
um, which is um, hopefully will lead into eye gazing to communicate through a tablet. So um, is that when they, whatever they're focusing on, will like highlight the letter sort of thingy? Kind of like Stephen out? Hawkins a little bit. Yeah. Um, and he's also hopefully going to get a powered wheelchair soon so he can drive. <laughs> a drive from a head switch. He can't use his body much. So if he's head, he can communicate yes or no, cool. which is really cool. Um, he's just had a big hip operation this year when he's had two hip basically realigned with mm. some metal. Um, so that's been quite a bit of pain. But we are on the process of trying to get to medical marijuana because he is um, at maximum of all his medications at the moment and we can't control his pain. His pain is pretty horrendous. He has seizures. I was going to ask if he's still having seizures. Yeah, not as bad, but he is on a lot of medications to try and control it or hide it. I don't really know what they do now. I feel like they're just, he's just on a lot of medications. So how do you believe the marijuana will help? The pain. It's the pain that's probably more upsetting. Seizures you can't control, you can't fix, you can't do anything apart from let him go through them. Mm. Um, but with medication, like medical marijuana, I would um, say that it would just give him some more natural <laughs> pain relief than what he's on now. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll see a bit more of his personality come out. Sometimes he's a bit... Um, in my terms, drugged. Yep. Yeah, so he's a little bit vacant and, yeah. The old crows has kind of disaway, disappeared a little bit. From the drugs? Yeah. Yeah, he's just on, getting watered down a bit? He's on medication about four times a day. Um, he's on a lot of medications that have side effects. And the side effects can be like dizziness, can make him feel sick, loss of appetite. Um, he does have a peg which um, he has blended food through it. Um, people are for it or against it because it can block the peg. It can, um, some people don't believe in the real food. They believe in like a lot of the um, medicated stuff. Yeah. Um, so you just gotta like go for your own judgment and you know, do what's best for him on that day. When you say some people, how do you manage all the, I call them couch doctors, so all the yeah. people that try and offer advice that think they know shit or they Google stuff or this person, they said that, this person said that, this person said this, yeah. so obviously it's truth. How do you manage that stuff? There's a lot of support groups out there that I think are really worth um, looking into for things like blended diet, which he's on, is really cool because you can talk about things like that with people, um, equipment, um, you know, sometimes you'll see something that someone else will have and be like, actually, that's what he needs. Or um, I think support around kids being in a similar situation is really helpful. It makes you feel less alone. Um, but when it comes to doctors, they're looking for your advice. I've learned that they want to know how you think about the situation or how you feel. I think they do really want your input. So that's what I tell people when they've got a sick kid and they really think their kid's sick. I say, go in there and you express how you feel. Like if you don't feel you want to go home, you really feel like your kid is that sick, stay there until they do something or go in hospital, get them examined. Like I think that's so important to just trust your gut. And mm. um, I've been in hospital a lot 
and I think generally the staff there are wanting to do the best for you but I do think that you have to think is it really worth um, looking into it more you know because it could be something else, you know, that you're not picking up and you just need that other opinion or someone else to just go, yeah, it's actually with us. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It'd be so easy for you to be super cynical as a person because of all the shit, you know, the, the, the breaches of trust that have happened throughout this process. Listening to it, like, I'm angry. And yeah. I'm thinking, we've, we've been talking for an hour. You've been putting out this for six years or however long it's been, yeah. you know. How, how do you stop yourself from being bitter? Um, you can't, I, I can't change his disability. I can only go with day to day with him. I do think that I will never get over what if, what if he had been normal. Um, and it is really hard on Dennis and I, um, because a lot of the time we're left with the result. We're not, like, no one else is helping us. Mm. The people that come and see us, like the therapy team and um, his pediatrician, even the people down at the chemist, they're good people. And they just want the best for your kid. And that's kind of keeps you going. Yep. Um, Restores your faith in humanity yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it does. And you know what? There's probably someone else fighting something else that's probably just as hard. And you kind of become a little bit less selfish. Yep. Like, you just kind of, you know... Um, but also my other two boys have been such a joy to my life. They've kind of healed me a lot. Like, they they teach me things all the time that I probably wouldn't have got with crews. And so I just go with each individual kid and just... So busy, I don't have time to really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> I don't really yeah. have time to really dwell on it. Um, but yeah, it is a really sad thing. I like, and I'll say this to you, you can slap me if you want to, yeah. but I was thinking, how the fuck is she not blogging or something? How have I not heard about this before? But Cause I'm pretty too dis- fucking busy. Oh yeah. And I'm pretty dyslexic actually, but, yeah. um, I, I like to think that I am positive. I do have down days and cool. I think, um, we all do, but, um, you know, Cruz has just, he's find the odds. He is always um, <laughs> been the best at that's Maverick. Yeah, he's alright. Um, he's always been trying so hard. He tries so hard to fight a common cold. He fights. He's gone through this freaking huge hip surgery. He's got metal in his hips. The pain and everything that he goes through. Just so mummy wants him around longer, and so mummy wants him to do this. He'll do it for me. Like mm. I'm like. He's just such a good kid that I deserve to give him the best life that he can. It's not his fault, you know? And that's what you are when you're a parent. You just want your kids to, you know, live life and enjoy life. And... You're going to make me bloody cry. <laughs> um, all right, before I let you rock and roll, there's a question yeah. I ask um, everyone who comes yeah. on the podcast. You, yeah. you've, you've talked about down days. Yeah. Is someone listening right now who's yeah. going through a bit of a rough patch? Yeah. Given in mind you're not a mental health professional no. or anything but what would your advice be to that person to help get them back on the straight and narrow and lift themselves up um i honestly listen to music a lot like when my kids are all crazy running around and i'm like okay i can't cope right now i put my music on and i just focus on that and then i think okay i've got myself together now what why am i feeling this way and then if i can't deal with it or if i can't fix it i'll probably call a friend um, or I'll talk to Dennis or I'll think, okay, 
what can I focus on to get me out of this kind of stump? Because sometimes it might be things that I can't control. It might be the pain that cruises in and it gets me so upset that I can't fix it. And so I think, okay, what, I'll just got to make sure that Cruz is fed. I've just got to make sure that he's, you know, clean and happy and in the other ways. And so I can feel like I'm doing my job as a mum. And the down days, it kind of gets down sometimes. But I just try to snap it out of it. Like put that music on, dance with him and try to shake it out of you yeah, almost. It's just, I don't know, like... Talking to people, listen to their bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite nice, actually. It kind of reminds you of what yeah, to be grateful for yeah. in some ways. You just try to, you know, get out of that funk, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, like, I think everyone is allowed to have those down days as long as you um, have someone there to talk to, I think. Cool. And I want to get some practical advice yeah. off you as well. Yeah. We spoke a little bit about it before we started recording. Yeah. Um, ways that, I guess, what, what are, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five ways, up to you, yeah. however many you want to pick, that, that um, parents could be a bit more welcoming when it comes to children and cruisers' situation. Okay, so this is what I get all the time, is that um, people tend to pity, pity on crows a little bit. Um, they tend to be like, oh, to their kids... They won't explain why Cruz is in a wheelchair or they won't explain um, the real truth. And I think kids need to understand that Cruz can't walk because he has a disability. Doesn't mean he can't get to A to B. He just will go in a wheelchair. Or um, Cruz can't talk, but you can talk to him in this way. How about just saying hello? You know, just let the kid be a kid let them ask the questions they just need to know they need to answer those questions um i've learned to let the kids just take cruise they'll just wheel him off (laughs) and i'll be like okay like i'm nervous but you know like the parents are like oh no 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 put him back to his mother you know no just let him be you know he's all right he's happy like he wants to be with the kids just go by your kids' instincts. Don't don't try to hide the real life. You know, like just if something if someone looks funny, someone's acting different, explain why or ask the kid why or the adult why they're like that. And then say, they can do that and they can do that. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. And is there a final word or anything you'd like to to say before I let you go tend to the boys? <laughs> you probably um, enjoyed the break yeah um nah just um don't be afraid to come up and talk to me or crows i'm just as nervous sometimes in situations i'm just like anyone else but um you know i'm always welcome for any questions i'm not scared to answer many questions so you know yeah so don't be afraid to ask book. yeah yeah exactly cool well thank you very much for sitting with me it's been pretty <laughs> awesome i think that's the closest i haven't had a cry yet talking to anyone but that was the closest <laughs> i've been but oh. but thanks heaps yeah no cool thank you that there another episode with the best side podcast featuring chelsea cook also uh her husband dem pops up there as well and has a bit of a yarn to us uh, shares his experience as he was quietly sitting there in the background. He was adamant he wouldn't be getting involved, but 
I knew that, you know, obviously as a parent, he would want to step up and say something on behalf of his family and behalf of his partner as well, which was pretty cool catching up. He's actually an old mate, so it was good to catch up with him because it had been a long time. Once again, Fano, man, that one was pretty uh, heart-wrenching to say the least. Uh, probably the closest uh, that I'd been to tears when talking. I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to come. There's going to be a guest which absolutely breaks me and and that was definitely close to it. I know a lot of parents that will be listening right now probably did lose it themselves throughout that episode there. But once again, just a reminder, uh, please do leave your reviews for us on all platforms, wherever you are listening. Give us the star ratings, give us the written reviews, um, whatever you can do. We're actually doing a giveaway at the moment as well for those reviews. So make sure you head to all our socials and check out what that giveaway is. Uh, and another important cause at the moment is that we are how helping uh, Chelsea and her family raise a bit of money for crews to acquire that Molly suit. Um, so once again, please head along to our socials and find out how you can contribute there. Until next time, we'll catch you right back here on the Best Side Podcast.